Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and today uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the last days and um, in discussing some of the questions that uh, we had in preparing for the last days or, or, or things surrounding the last days, because uh, folks, uh, in my opinion, it, it appears to be more and more clear <laughs> as the days and the weeks go on that we really need to be taking um, heed with uh, the signs of the times and we don't again we don't know how far um, the left push goes uh, how far the the right world when the right whirlwind comes how all these things align with themselves how they all work out we don't we don't know the details of those things. We don't even know. There could be years, uh, years and years and years and years more of what this world has to offer. So it's important for all of us to keep in mind that it might not appear to happen the way we think it will. And However, what we need to make sure that we are I guess focusing on is is what prophecy has to say and focusing on getting ourselves ready and getting ourselves prepared because folks there's so many people out there that have so many false doctrines and it, it's just it's just everywhere and I mean when you look at the political scenes I think Biden's over 50 um, executive orders now at this point which is is just a crazy number for someone in their first uh, couple of weeks here but nonetheless that's what we're seeing we've seen the termination of jobs the keystone pipeline the wall um environmental environmental movements and stuff uh, attacks on people's jobs and so we're just gonna have to see how all of this plays out antifa and and black lives matter are still rioting over in uh, Portland and and Los Angeles, it's insane to me to think that there are people out there that will get upset with you when you talk about Black Lives Matter, uh, the, the organization, obviously the organization. It's because look at what they're doing. Uh, they're rioting, they're smashing, they're burning, they're destroying. This is supposed to help and, and represent black people? I, I highly doubt that. I mean, by their fruits, you shall know them. And what do their fruits tell you? And these people are anarchists many times. They want to burn the whole thing down, as they say. Uh, there was the March on Washington earlier. We've just seen just more and more craziness. And you got to also remember Nazi Germany. Remember in Nazi Germany that Hitler was actually a socialist. So it was the communists, the Catholic Zentrum Party, and the Nazi Party in Germany. Now, the Nazis worked directly with the Catholic Party. And there's a lot of evidence that you can look at. There's the book Hitler's Pope. There's also books by Avro Manhattan talking about this issue Edmund Perry the secret history of the Jesuits it's a lot of information to show that Hitler 
and openly uh, worked with the Catholic Church and was essentially doing their will. So if we remember, if we remember that, remember that Hitler was part of the National Socialist German Workers Party, and they demonized the Communist Party. And then when he got into power, he was supposed to be a just left of center uh, individual leader. But what did he do once he, he got control, got full control? He went all the way to the right. So I'm just saying things might not work out just exactly the way we think about between this battle between the king of the north and the king of the south. As I've said, we still see the far left groups. Uh, they're actually still rioting now against Biden himself. So, I mean, what's going to happen, how all this is going to play out, we just we just don't know. So we just have to keep our country in prayer, and we have to keep uh, in prayer for each other, that we would get ready, that we would utilize this time to prepare, to understand, to, go, to get a closer communion with the Lord. And I wanted to take some time to, to look at some of these other questions that we had. Um, obviously for, for a lot of the things that are going on. So one of the things that I talked about in my sermon uh, this last week was the cities themselves and should Christians leave the cities. And I quoted, I eventually quoted from uh, Testimonies of the Church, Volume 5. And I, I want to read to you some other quotes which have also been brought to my attention recently someone um, sent them and made a comment so i just wanted to basically reevaluate what exactly i was trying to say there because i think that adding in these other verses actually helps give it a clearer picture and basically my answer is just about the same but i think that i didn't express that well enough in the sermon so uh that's a failure on my part for that i apologize but uh, the, the quotes are from Selected Messages, Book 2, page 358. And it says, Shall not the cities be warned? Yes, not by God's people living in them, but by their visiting them to warn them of what is coming upon the earth. So we are told as a people to basically not be in the cities, while simultaneously doing our work in the cities. That's what we're told uh, from Selected Messages, Book 2. However, just like we don't do with the Bible, we don't, we don't base something off of just one or two passages. We, we got to take into consideration the whole counsel of God on the issue. So with that said, I have another quote here from Manuscript 94, 19, from 1903. And again, it's making the same point, um, and then I'll, I'll read to you another, another quote. It says this, When iniquity abounds in a nation, there is always to be heard some voice giving warning and instruction, as the voice of Lot was heard in Sodom. Yet Lot could have preserved his family from many evils had he not made his home in this wicked, polluted city. Enoch walked with God, and yet he did not live in the midst of any city polluted with every kind of violence and wickedness, as did Lot and Sodom. So once again, the counsel there being given is pretty much 
don't don't raise your family in a wicked polluted place and and you don't have to live in the city in order to justly impact that city in other words your work can be just as effective and actually probably more effective if you're out of the city because you have a, a time to depress uh, from the stresses and anxieties and the wickedness and temptations and everything that's in the the midst of the cities themselves by not living in the cities this is why I left the city uh, personally because I wanted to get away from the temptations I wanted to keep my son around areas that would be more beneficial to his upbringing and his learning uh, and we didn't have a son at the time but we wanted to raise a family we knew that so that's one of the reasons we moved out of the city and in accordance with the counsel that we were given now again to make this point uh, a little bit further take this point a little bit further and then we'll look at the counter argument um, I have a in very interesting source here this is from uh, founders online national archives this is a letter from Thomas Jefferson to Benjamin Rush, so founding father to founding father, September 23rd, 1800. And then Benjamin Rush actually um, replies to him in another letter, which is from October 6th, 1800. So about a week later, uh, he gets a response. But this is what Thomas Jefferson said to Benjamin Rush. He said, I view great cities as pestilential to to the morals the health and the liberties of man wow I mean think about that for a second the morals yeah absolutely the health yeah I could see that I could see that as well but the liberties of man Thomas Jefferson saw that the evils and wickedness that were in the cities actually led to a decline uh, of human freedoms, of what the Bill of Rights was originally uh, supposed to give us. It was a backtracking, because that's what happens with evil. The more evil that abounds, the more regulation that you need. But it's interesting, if he could only see the United States today, uh, this would not be something... This is, this is one of the reasons why they had the Electoral College system. They did not want, essentially, what I've seen quotes uh, to the effect of, they did not want Boston and Philadelphia and New York to choose the president every every four years. That They didn't want that. That's why they set up the Electoral College. And even in this last election, you saw m almost all the counties were red, and then you had these major cities that were blue. Um, so it's interesting. Even th in this particular case with the Electoral College, it seemed to swing the vote amount enough into the other favor. And of course, as I've stated, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the, the election was fraudulent. But again, is that happening organically or is that happening because it's part of the plan? I sort of think that it's, it's part of the plan at this point. But listen to this from Benjamin Rush. He, he replies to Thomas Jefferson. He says... I agree with you in your opinion of cities. Cowper the poet very happily expresses our ideas of them compared with the country. God made the country, man made cities. 
I consider them in the same light that I do abscesses on the human body as reservoirs of all the impurities of a community. Wow. So, I mean, just utter disgust with the cities themselves. Think about when they're saying this. 1800? I mean, this is ba this was just on off the heels of, of the, the Great Awakening. And then there was, an, there was another Great Awakening uh, just a couple decades later. And even at that time, he was saying the cities are like abscesses or like cysts, essentially, on the human body. They're just reservoirs of impurities. And that's, that's a true statement. You know, God did make the country. God made earth. But Cain was the first one to build the city. And you can read about that in, uh, in the Genesis account. <clears throat> now, I want to look at the counter argument because, again... Uh, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Rush, those are interesting quotes, but Mrs. White, um, as we've seen, uh, seems to take a very hard line on this. However, if you if you read Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5, page 464 and 465, it says this, As the siege of Jerusalem by the Roman armies was the signal for flight to the Judean Christians, so the assumption of power on the part of our nation in the decree enforcing the papal sabbath will be a warning to us it will then be time to leave the large cities preparatory to leaving the smaller ones for retired homes in secluded places among the mountains so in this particular quote uh what we're seeing here what i'm seeing is it says when the sunday law comes it will then be time to leave the large cities preparatory to leaving the smaller ones for retired homes in secluded places among the mountains. So apparently there are still some individuals, there, there has to be some reference here that she's making. There's still some individuals, true individuals, true Bible-believing uh, Christians that are in the cities at the time when the National Sunday Law comes into play. So if we're going to take the whole counsel of God and put all of these verses together and get a full picture, I would say that I would come to basically the same conclusion that I came to in the sermon. It's that we got to be careful with, basically with blanket statements. What we should do is we should not go to a man, you know, I don't want to control your conscience, and I definitely don't want you to control mine. And that's a big problem nowadays, that that's what people want to do. Liberty of conscience is... It's, it's under fire right now, folks. But I do want my conscience to be captive to the Word of God. I do want my conscience to be controlled by the spirit of prophecy and the testimonies. And I want my conscience to be controlled by God's amazing grace, by His, His Holy Spirit and His power and protection. So, if I take a look at the whole picture, I would say that on the question of whether it is if you happen to be in a city, whether it is to leave the city or not to leave the city, I would say it depends upon, you know, if you have a family, if you have children with you and things like that, probably a good idea. Um, Enoch did great by staying out of the cities. There's counsel on that, as we've seen. However, there are also people in the last days that are still in the cities, uh, 
and she says it will then be time to leave the large city so there's there's a group there that at that time it's time for them to go and, and not necessarily before so when it comes to the question of to leave or not to leave the cities, just work it out, work it out with the Lord. Essentially. That's, that's basically what I'm getting to is that we should work it out with the Lord in prayer. We should do that with our possessions. If we plan on uh, wanting to sell our homes and putting the things into the work, not everybody's going to be called to do that immediately. Um, the possessions that we do have, when do we get rid of them, etc. All those things, all those need to be worked out on a one-on-one -on -one basis between you and God. And I think the city's um, question is, is no exception to that. Absolutely no exception to that. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. It's, it's like uh, a lot of the dietary restrictions, you know, like do, should you eat the, if you take Mrs. White's counsel on eating two meals a day, you can find plenty of quotes where she says you should only eat two meals a day, but then there's other ones where she says it's better for some people to have three rather than two. And some people who who's have a lot of hard, heavy labor, so she doesn't take a hard line on it. Um, it appears that way sometimes because the context kind of gets pulled out sometimes. But we have to remember that we, if we take the whole counsel of God together, then we'll get the full picture. So now next, the next question that we originally had was, who will accept the third angel's message? That's a very interesting question. Who, who are the people that will accept the third angel's message? But before we go there, I want to go to Testimonies of the Church, Volume 5 again, and page 453 where they talk she talks about the persecution that's coming the devil will try to persecute and tempt us however god will use these these persecutions and insults and things like that to agitate the issue of the sabbath and the various truths that we have to try to get people focused on it so the devil will use things to try to uh perturb us from doing our work while simultaneously God will allow those things to happen because it will get people to focus in on it. So let me read the quote to you. It says, the wrath of man shall praise thee, says the psalmist. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. God means that testing truth shall be brought to the front and become a subject of examination and discussion, even if it is through the contempt placed upon it. The minds of the people must be agitated. Every controversy, every reproach, every slander will be God's means of provoking inquiry and awakening minds that otherwise would slumber. So if God's going to use, he's going to use means of persecution, controversies, reproach, slanders, to bring light to his truth and to focus on the issue, the real issue. Now, who will come in? Who will accept the third angel's message? If you go to Selected Messages, Book 3, page 386 and 387, we find an answer. There are many souls to come out of the ranks of the world, out of the churches, even the Catholic Church 
whose zeal will far exceed that of those who have stood in rank and file to proclaim the truth heretofore. For this reason, the eleventh hour laborers will receive their penny. These will see the battle coming and will give the trumpet a certain sound. When the crisis is upon us, when the season of calamity shall come, they will come to the front, gird themselves with the whole armor of God, and exalt his law, adhere to the faith of Jesus, and maintain the cause of religious liberty, which reformers defended with toil and for which they sacrificed their lives. So, just as the Bible says, uh, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues, there are people that are in uh, these other churches, even Catholic Church itself. Um, that's why it's important to remember, folks, our, our message is not against any any group of people at all. It's not against the protesters in Black Lives Matter. M many of these people are lower-level people who are Catholics. We're not anti-Catholic. But the institutions themselves and the people at the top, the elite, who's driving this, those individuals um, we call out by name if they've done something in public, you know, like, like the papacy, for instance. We call them out by name. However, it's the institutions and the false doctrines. It's a spiritual warfare that we are to wage. And it's important for each and every one of us to remember, um, and folks who don't understand what our message is, uh, to hopefully understand that we we are not focused on people. We're not meant to be. We're, we're not condemning any group or any person anywhere. So just keep that in mind. Also, another group that will be accepting of the third angel's message is from Great Controversy, page 610 and 611. It says this, While many of our rulers are active agents of Satan, Wow, think about that for a second. Many of our rulers are active agents of Satan. It goes on, it says, while many of our rulers are active agents of Satan, God also has his agents among the leading men of the nation. The enemy moves upon his servants to propose measures that would greatly impede the work of God. But statesmen who fear the Lord are influenced by holy angels to oppose such propositions with unanswerable arguments. Thus, a few men will hold in check a powerful current of evil. This opposition of the enemies of truth will be restrained that the third angel's message may do its work. When the final warning shall be given, it will arrest the attention of these leading men through whom the Lord is now working, and some of them will accept it and will stand with the people of God through the time of trouble. So there will be even people in leadership positions, which I know is really hard for some of us to believe that there are, there are any politician anywhere um, who might have a chance at, at, at heaven at all, but they are there. They are there. God has his people there who stand in the gaps to try to stem the tide of evil. And when the third angel's message goes forward, to do its work in the loud cry, many of them will join the ranks of the true believers. Now, how will the wicked be judged? How will the wicked be judged? If you go again to Great Controversy, page 482, it says this, 
Every man's work passes in review before God and is registered for faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Opposite each name in the books of heaven is entered with terrible exactness every wrong word, every selfish act, every unfulfilled duty, and every secret sin, with every artful dissembling. Heaven-sent warnings or reproofs neglected, wasted moments, unimproved opportunities, the influence exerted for good or for evil, with its far-reaching results, are all chronicled by the recording angel. It's just as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, where he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And you got to remember too, Jesus says, whatever measure you meet out will be measured to you again. And he also says, every idle word that men speak, he will give account in the day of judgment. So basically everything that we do and the things that we don't do. So negligence is included in here as well. But it's also the influence that we exert for good or for evil with its far-reaching results. So it's not just what you do, it's how far that evil gets taken. Like, let's say someone like a certain author uh, I've heard I've heard a, a, a story like a, a little short parable about this before. You have a guy who is a thief and bear with me here. It's 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 a story. So it's hypothetical. Um, doesn't mean it's biblically accurate. OK, uh, but uh, there's a man. He was he was a thief uh, his whole life and he was you know in hell and he was getting tortured. Right. And. Next to him was an author who wrote a book that basically told people, you know, not to believe in God. And the thief, eventually, his punishment was over. And that's it. He was done. But the author looked at the, the devil that was, it was, in, was torturing him and he said, why, why is he allowed to go free when all I did was write a book? And the devil replied to him that what he, what he did was he stole from a bunch of people his whole life. He said, but you your sin continues to this very day because your book is still being published and people are still reading it and people are still turning their back on God. So the book that he wrote, in other words, had far-reaching results. And it's like the same thing with someone like Karl Marx, for instance, we're still dealing with with his ideas, which we know come from the Jesuits. We're still dealing with that today. Hitler, there's neo-Nazis today. So that's it's a scary thought to think about, isn't it? The influence that you exert for good or for evil with its far-reaching results. So all those sins, while each and every person is responsible for their own sins, 
those sins uh, will still be in a secondary sense, uh, Hitler and the others that I mentioned there will be held accountable. It's a scary thought. It's a scary thought. That's why we got to make sure that we are we are looking to Christ, that we have a, a life of repentance, that we are asking him each and every day to help us to overcome, to give us strength, and having a real true relationship with him, because that's what he wants. He wants, he wants, he doesn't want people that want to be saved necessarily. He wants people that want to be with him. That's what he wants. So we have to foster and care for that relationship. You know, a relationship takes work. Any real good relationship takes work. So it'd be important for us to keep that in mind. And lastly, I want to leave on a good note here. What will it be like in the new earth? Well, we know we'll be planting. We know that we'll be building homes and things like that. Jesus is preparing mansions for us right now. The Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has in store for them that love him. But this is what it says in Adventist Home, page 549. It says, there, every power, and the there is talking about the new earth. There, every power will be developed. Every capability increased. The grandest enterprises will be carried forward. The loftiest aspirations will be reached. The highest ambitions realized. And still, there will arise new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truths to comprehend, fresh objects to call forth the powers of body and mind and soul. It's going to be just amazing, folks. It's going to be just amazing because... you you will have a universe full of things to do and there will be work, you know, but good work and there will be wonderful things to learn, sciences and things like that to learn. I'm excited to see just the different creations of some of the other worlds. I can't wait to see some of that stuff um, and see what the Lord has done on other planets. But either way, with all the stuff that I can imagine in my mind, the Bible, as I quoted earlier, it says that I can't imagine it. It's going to be better than that. So why not? I mean, look at the way the world is right now. Why not just let them have it? I don't mean give up the fight. I don't mean check out. That's not what I mean. But let go of the world in your heart. You know, let go of America in your heart in the sense of if it's if it's something that you want to fight for before giving people the truth. And we all got to make sure that we are submitting to God's plan on the whole on, on this whole thing. Because the thing the thing the work that we have to do now is a work of character. Because that's what we'll be taking into heaven. So on that note, we're out of time. Went a little bit over time. Uh, but we'll be back hopefully next week. And we'll be in touch. God bless you guys. And thank you for tuning in.